add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. Okay, folks, hear me out. What if I told you that it was okay to be average? You probably laugh because let's face it, none of us really strive for average. But my guest this week thinks there's a good argument to be made for average being healthy and being really good for us. Coleman Nocter is a psychotherapist and clinical practitioner, and his new book, The Four to Seven Zone, gives readers the tools to find the sweet spot between too much and too little so you can achieve balance and harmony in your life. I picked this book up a couple of weeks ago and I was glued to it. It's absolutely fascinating and a really interesting aspect on health and mental health that we really haven't touched on before. Coleman, welcome to the show. How's it going? Good, thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm actually very excited about this. This would be great. Um, you know, we've covered lots of different aspects of health on the show, physical fitness, mental health, well-being. Uh, mental fitness is an interesting one, but particularly mental fitness in this average zone. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I, I suppose it came to me over, I've been using it in therapy for years to try and get people to kind of regulate, you know, their emotions. So people, the people who came to see me, you know, if I rate, they said, how's your anxiety? How's your mood? How's your energy levels? All I heard was one, two, three, or eight, nine, or 10, right? I never met the four to seven people. So there was something that these four to seven people were doing that was keeping them out of the therapist's office. Um, and when I thought about it, it's kind of like, you know, when we're talking about fitness or physical health, we try and get our calories down and our heart rate up. And it's about pushing into those extremes um, in order to see progress. But actually, emotional and psychological fitness is about balance, equilibrium and middle. And it's about not either going into those extremes of one, two, three, eight, nine, ten, but certainly not staying in them. It's finding your way back. So we talk about resilience so much over the last few years. Resilience is about being good with adversity. It's not about being good at being happy, if that makes any sense. Um, and so kind of thinking about why we have such difficulties, so like we have never seen more anxious people than we do now. Uh, our demand for mental health services have never been higher. Um, and wondering why are we so anxious and what is it about that? And I wondered about if the world has normalized excess, right? So we talk about all you can eat, binge watch, unlimited, all these phrases that we hear um, that really normalize overdoing something or underdoing something. You should never be bored. You should never be not entertained, all that sort of stuff. And so from the point of view of the world, it's actually very anti-mental fitness, if that makes any sense, because it's pushing us always into those red zones. And so, yeah, so over the years, I, I kind of said, how could I put this in a way that would make people understand it and the four to seven seem to be the most visual tangible area that and i've as i said i've used it in therapy for years and i would meet people in the street who maybe have come to see me years ago and they'd still say to me i'm still doing my four to seven and for some reason it seemed to 
resonate with people and uh and yeah so that's that's why it came to be the book um and i think it's probably something that's quite a hard sell it's very hard to sell like i'm not selling six packs abs in four weeks sort of thing <laughs> um uh but moderation is a hard sell but and consistency is a hard spell, sell um but my book says you know consistency over intensity wins every time you know but you know i think in the book it, it, it almost sells permission that average is all right i, I read it you know i read it on the way back on the train uh, a few weeks ago and like that, it was kind of, it was just, it was permission that having an okay day was, was fine. And actually with that came a sense of calm because you, because you, you expect to exceed all the time and to be driven and to be, you know, to be ambitious and, and, and all of that. But actually it's not a negative tip thing to be okay. And some people might think that it is a negative association, but actually it's, it's the opposite. It frees you up and it gives you the, it gives you time just to, to settle. And that's something that's more recent. I mean, that's a recent phenomenon where we have demonized average. So we say just average, only average, and we all seek to be above average. You know, that, this idea of um, if you demonize average in, in a, a room of 10 people, one person will be exceptional, one will struggle, and the other eight will be average. So by definition, average is the majority of people. Do you know what I mean? So the average in any situation is where most people are. And if we make that not enough, then we consign the biggest amount of people in the room to being unhappy. And there is a kind of a, a there has been a, a, a movement, I suppose, about driving towards being special, you know, uh, and by definition, everyone can't be special. Special is a select few. Do you know what I mean? But if we all strive to be special and find out that we fall short of that, then there's again, and, and again, some of our unhappiness, I believe to be not so much about our reality, but our expectation of reality, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, absolutely. The world that we live in, we expect everything to be perfect. Uh, I, I'm going to use Instagram as the real place for that because Instagram is a perfect place. Everything is wonderful. It's the best day ever, the best breakfast ever, the best. And even when you're taking the photograph for Instagram, and I sometimes find myself doing it too, that, you know, it's the best photo. You might take five photos and it's the very best one. It's not the average photo. And even the faked ones that people put up say, you know, I'm, you know, here's my whatever, here's my, you know, my average photo or my no makeup photo. There's still makeup and it's still the best version of that photograph. So we're surrounded by that all the time, aren't we? And like, it's keeping up appearances, but it's exhausting and it's mentally exhausting. And, and it's unsustainable. You know, the other side of it is life isn't a highlight reel. It is, there's a lot of mundane kind of disgruntled chuntering along. That's, I mean, I, and again, I, I was on, I went to speak to a group of, of teenagers yesterday in a school and I asked them about mental well-being and what their understanding of it was. And they said, it's to be happy. And I asked them, how much do you think you should spend happy in your life? And the whole room guessed between 70 and 80%. Wow, the that's, the reality, a lot of that's a lot of happiness. <laughs> the reality is we spend less than 1% happy. If you think about happy being bent over, giggling, laughing. Yeah, if yeah. we expect to be happy 70% of the time and we're only 1%, then we feel like we're missing out. You're missing out on nothing. Everybody is in the same boat. And it's funny, my son and I watch Match of the Day on a Saturday night and we kind of watch the highlights and all that sort of stuff. And I took him to a match there a while back, you know, um, and he was so bored with all the throw-ins and the injuries and the water break, you know, and he was kind of saying, and I was thinking, this is not the problem with the matches. The problem is that he match expects the match to yeah. be different, you know, um, and, and life isn't a highlight reel. Uh, but if, and, and even though, and I know knowledge is a great thing, and we all know that a lot of this stuff is Photoshopped and all that sort of stuff, but the knowledge 
still has this sneaky suspicion, but what if it's not? You know, and there's an idea of that. And it's also addictive too, isn't it? And, 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 and you know, the natural, you're naturally kind of brought down that comparison route of, oh, my life isn't like that, or my body isn't like that, or my house or car or whatever, but it's not like that. So you automatically, t- you know, take comparison from, because your life isn't as exceptional as this person's life who you follow, be, them, be it real or not real. And, and we, we oftentimes only have half of that conversation. Social comparison works both ways. So if you look at someone who's less favorable than you, it makes you feel better too. Like, so, you know, the idea around, <laughs> you know, wh- why we watch the cringe characters like the Alan Partridges or the David Brenson and why we get gratified from that is the reassurance that we're not as bad as them. Do you know what I mean? And so social comparison, yes, there's a drive to, oh my God, I wish I was like them. Look, they've got a new mantelpiece and a new fireplace and their internal decor. But then you look at someone else and go, well, mine's better than that. You know, so we, we don't tend to focus too much on social comparison to make us feel better. Mm-hmm. But that's the, the objective of it is, is to see where we come in the pecking order. Do you know what I mean? And if you only compare yourself to the highlight reel, you'll always be low in the pecking order because you're only seeing a select amount of the other person's life. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I suppose that one of the key lessons from the chat so far is 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 trying to tell people that, look, it's normal and it's okay that we can't be good all the time and to accept that and to, to, to make peace with it. It's, it's actually to, to kind of dispel the myth of YOLO, you know, live your best life. Um, you know, to be, be the best version of yourself. That's fine. YOLO. The, I'm so going to rob that. That's really good. Know, yeah, yeah. But, but it's, it's about, uh, these are moments. You know what I mean? It is absolutely unsustainable to imagine that you will keep that going all the time. And, and it is like, if we, we have to see things as a spectrum. So if you see nine to 10 as success, then everything below nine becomes failure, right? So look at the, you know, the, the Premier League, the, whoever wins the league wins the league, but it doesn't mean that every other team has failed. You know, some have made progress and, and being better is about being better than you were, not better than everyone else. You know, and, and again, there's that idea of, and for me, Carl, the biggest crisis we have is that I think we have lost the concept of enough right and we all and in mental health you hear people talk about good enough parenting and good enough this and good enough that but what is enough and i i think the enough has almost disintegrated into nothing because there's an insatiable so if you say i have enough i'm content people will accuse you of settling you know that you lack ambition (laughs) or that you lack drive and that idea of if you never have a sense of enough, then you keep desiring and chasing rainbows, which is consigning yourself to continuous discontent. So how do you, like, which of those do I choose? Do I choose to be the settling person who has no ambition? Or do I drive into this excessive world of everything when I actually never feel content? So uh, I, I think there's a whole spectrum of other positions that we can take up other than those two. And is the answer there then that you sh- you're kind of in, you should be, in the fort in that middle zone there where you are quite content but have the the odd kind of i don't know upgrading the car or you know the odd moment of kind of 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 excess for want of a better word but on the whole you're content with your lot yeah and i think like life will throw you into the one two threes eight nine tens just happens you know from the point of view of stressful like work periods you might have a really busy few weeks you know of, and you're up in the eight nine ten for that period of time the key is just not to stay there or not to drive towards being there. If you're in the four to seven and you're having this kind of quiet moment, that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're not doing it. Like we have 
we're obsessed with everything having an investment. You know, we have to do that. Like, I have to send my children to the Gale School to get 600 points in their Irish. I have to send them to, you know, music to get points. And the idea of there's a value in nothingness in being a bit unproductive and having that downtime. And what I give permission for in the book, which a lot of people have come back to me with, is the idea of active relaxation, right? There's Mm -hmm. so many people struggle with the mindfulness, stillness narrative around that's how you manage mental health. I struggle with that. I would be, my way of relaxing is Monday night, tag rugby for two hours. I forget about everything. I switch off. I play five-a-side soccer or I'll paint a wall or, you know, play Lego with my son, whatever that might be. The Lego's a good one, isn't it? Lego's amazing. Mindful Lego. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely, yeah. But the the idea of being an active relaxer, it's absolutely fine if that's your way. Do you know what I mean? And, And what I would say, the enough has to come from you. What is your enough? Not what does Instagram tell you you need to be to be enough, but not what your friends or your neighbors or your peer group. It's about taking back control of that and saying, actually, no, this is enough for me. This is what I want. This is these are my priorities um, and creating a value system for yourself rather than having that manipulated by other people, which I and I, I work with a lot of young people. And the one thing I hear time and time again is I spent my whole life being who other people wanted me to be and I never got to be myself. And I think there's something really, really refreshing in being able to be authentic and not having to perform. I think there's a great degree of release in that. Um, and, but I think it's harder to achieve. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that sense of, you know, this is who I am, warts and all. It's that self-acceptance. We, co- we covered that with, with Pork and Warren a couple of weeks ago, that it's that idea of, you know, it's, it's accepting who you are for the good and the bad and the ugly, but being quite content with that. And in terms of, you know, the contentment around you that it, it's oftentimes can be the simple things that create the kind of the most pleasure and those big, the excessy things, like you're saying every now and again, mm-hmm. but actually it's the simple things around you that are important. Um, what's the benefit of doing nothing then? So like it, it, it can be difficult for a lot of people and I absolutely struggle with that. Uh, so purposely after reading the book, I, one of the times going back to Cork on the train, I did nothing. Put my phone in my bag. I didn't read a book. I didn't do anything distracting. I didn't even talk to the person beside me. I just sat there and tried. It's very difficult. Like it's very hard. Yeah, and and I think from when we came out of the pandemic lockdowns, you know, we've kind of got, you know, we said we need to pause in our life, but two years of pausing was too much. You know, so I think that there's a there's a balance to that. But the nothingness isn't about stillness and nothingness. It's about doing something that doesn't necessarily have to have a tangible outcome. So I was training the under 13s on Friday night and the lads came in for the first five minutes. They're just kicking the ball around and having shots and taking shots on each other. And they're having the laugh and having the crack. And then you they get called in and everyone's there. Listen up, everyone concentrate. These are the drills. And I'm thinking back on it and going five minutes of drills and 55 minutes of kicking the ball around would be much better for those lads than, you know, the other way around. You know? mm-hmm. But none of, none of us value the kicking a ball around bit because we think that's not, there's, there's no tangible outcome for it. I go to schools and they say, we'd love to do more kind of connection things, but we'll have parents saying, well, but what is missing on the curriculum if you do that? You know, so the world has become obsessed with this incentive or investment that we have to have something tangible coming back and everything that we do has to have a purpose. Sometimes doing things for the crack is as therapeutic as things get, you know, in terms of there, it, there doesn't have to be a goal, a plan or a purpose. Uh, it can be just something that you enjoy. Does that make sense? It does, absolutely. And, you know, and, that, and, and we've become obsessed with time, sorry, wasting time. You know, this idea, I can't waste time, you know. Um, you know, any time that's being used is 
potentially being wasted. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, somebody said to me, you know, every percentage you get over 50 in an exam is surplus to requirements. <laughs> I mean, it's a wasted effort. But from the point of view of um, the idea of being obsessed about time and wasting time and being purposeful, um, I think creates more stress than it does create a sense and of okayness. You know? From one person living in a rural part of the world to another, do you think that in like the big urban areas, so like the cities that, you know, there is a greater kind of sense of push uh, uh, as opposed to like, we, I would see that it's a tangible thing. We moved to West Cork. It's tangible. And as the blow in, it took me a while to get used to the fact that things are a bit slower and things may not happen when you want them to happen. And things just, there's a bit more, average I, I think for want of a better word that you know it's it's all just a bit more there's a bit of calmness around and there's a bit of perspective around on things and it takes you a while to detune to that when you when you when, when you go rural or am i totally wrong no i think you're right i think there's a different pace but i think the global village of technology has almost diluted those rural distinctions so the regional accent is kind of gone now you know what I mean from the point of view of the, the things that are really nice about community spirits of, around you know people helping out or giving you a dig out with your patio or whatever a lot of that is kind of seeped away you know they, and I was only talking to someone about when I was growing up people would call to our house on spec you know you wouldn't be a texter they'd just be coming in the driveway oh, yeah, and they'd yeah, come yeah. in and, and they'd be sitting there for the evening whereas <laughs> now you know that would be almost rude to do that without giving someone warning to clean the skirting boards or whatever it is that they need to do before you arrive you know the idea that almost that we've over planned something mm-hmm. um and unfortunately I do see that seeping into the country rural segment as well but it certainly is less so than perhaps an urban environment where that pace is yeah. is almost rat race like you know we've certainly noticed like you know in terms of like one of the reasons for moving was to test, test that concept of is it better in the country is the is life just are you happier is it slower is it whatever and so far uh, absolutely i would say that it is and the key one of the key things and i know you, you talk about it it's about tiny changes isn't it it's not just about the big massive changes so you know it, the small ones that atomic habits idea they add up over time as opposed to big drastic changes yeah and uh, i mean i'm familiar with i don't know if you'd be familiar with one of the case studies in the book is this guy who goes to the the doctor and his cholesterol's a bit high and he says you know you need to change your diet and on the way home from the doctor's office he buys a new pair of asics gel runners and he gets the track suit and he gets the whole lot and a paleo diet of no carbs and everything else but by saturday he eats a bit of his daughter's cake and he feels like a failure and it's gone and the track suit gathers dust in the paper yeah and, and the idea of that you know excessive i've got to throw myself into this like the amount of success in those severe extreme reactions is tiny the amount of failure is massive you know um and so you're far better and i i, I work again with people who those quick wins you have to build momentum like anything around say somebody who's trying to challenge a phobia or challenge anxiety or challenge you want to get the quick wins first you know and so they build up the the relationship with success to actually go i can keep doing this you know um and that's why it's you know how to eat an elephant one spoon at a time kind of thing but um, but again, it's really hard to sell that when somebody's promising you six pack abs in two weeks. If you, you know, I don't know. Well, again, own, that's, go, that's going back to your the book, though, really, isn't it? That like that all the advertising are in, you know, looking for five men to change their their lives in thirty days, or five women, or whatever it is. And there's a picture of you know the the bod, and and you think, okay, that's the ten. I want the ten out of ten body. I'm going to sign up for this nonsense for 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 thirty days. Spend all my money. 
and then ninety days later be back at the, in a worse in a worse place. It's be, it's it's that the want to have it and the want to have it quickly, and it's that's kind of chase for perfection as opposed to seeking the balance or seeking the the perspective. But isn't it the world tells us that we should never have to wait, and you should you know the idea. <laughs> you know, there's almost that idea of it's expected now that these things happen those quickly. And, 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 you know, I, I can go to the gym today for nine hours and I will look no different when I'm finished than when I yep. started. Whereas <laughs> if I went 20 minutes, three times a week for nine weeks, I would. The same way as if I brush my teeth for six hours tonight, I still have to do it tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? The idea of, and I, I think there is a little bit of you know, snake oil being sold around all of that sort of stuff, but I it is just... I couldn't agree more. And we're very happy on Real Health to promote the fact that we don't we don't buy into all that snake oil because it's everywhere. But it's so tempting. It is. It's oh, it's like, well, in some respects, and I'll be totally gloaty here, it's about, you know, building a successful podcast in some respects is the same. We've turned up every Thursday for five and a half years and, you know, and our numbers have grown and they've increased and people learn to know the brand and trust the show and, and all of that. It, it's it's the turning up. It's the it's the consistency of it and 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 just aiming to do your best. Final question is this, that, you know, sometimes there's only so far you can go personally, isn't there? That, you know, in aiming to not be the striver to, to achieve that balance. And it's okay, which it is, but it's important to go and, and seek professional help sometimes too and talk to somebody. 100%. And, and the idea for the book was to kind of give people who were in a space where they didn't know what, like it's, mental health is not something like a blood test or an MRI or an X-ray. You can't do that. So you depend on somebody else having an overall look at how you're functioning and they'll determine whether you need help or not. The book gives you these kind of six ways in which you can look at your life and see how you're doing biologically, psychologically, socially. And it'll give you an indication as to where, where you might be struggling. The book gives you some tips on how to improve that. But sometimes there's things you can't meditate through and there's things you can't walk off. And so in that instance, absolutely, you need to go and get that help. The one thing I would worry about, and I say this is carefully, is that in, in terms of mental health promotion, we sometimes verge into mental illness promotion. So you come on TikTok and it says, have you ever felt worried? You might have anxiety. Have you ever, do you like to put things back where they yeah. come from? You could have OCD. Like, oh, and they're not necessarily that helpful because they're driving people into pathologizing life. Mm -hmm. Not all worry is anxiety. Not all sadness is depression. I think, I think um, any, any GP you know, in the country will tell you that. The people yes. coming in morning and night with, you know, with depression, anxiety, and actually they're, they're not. Uh, yeah. I, it, it's the over, it's everywhere, which is good, but it also has negative, negative aspects to it too. And the wonder, you know, the, the question is, you know, and it's really useful, the slogan, it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. But we also need to follow that with, it's okay to be okay too. Um, and I think that's probably the, the parking shot that I'd like people to get, you know, that okay is fine. You know, it's where most of us are. It's most of where most of us will be. Um, and if we try to not be there, our chances of burning out are really high. Love it. Coleman, it's been great to have you on the show. Remind us again at the name of the book. It's the four to seven zone. Um, and yeah, it's out of it weeks now at this stage so it should be around anywhere near your bookshops it's and an all good bookstores it's been great to catch up with you and i really enjoyed the book again so thank you so much for coming on the show folks that is it for the episode of real health with me carl henry i really hope you enjoyed today's episode as ever you know where we are at carl henry pt on instagram real health at independent.ie if you liked what you heard and hopefully you did don't forget to rate and review and we'll see you next week for more real health it's long before